Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Mirari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead. Go and break those rules. Let me tell you how me and Kunchen met, because we went to this conference virtual in the pandemic, and it was seven or nine days. I don't remember. Do you remember? Probably around nine, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all day, every day. And, you know, when you're on those Zoom calls and there's just like so many faces, I think my view was 50 people at a time, and I had several pages of people, and we're all working on our coaching skills trying to up-level ourselves. And I remember seeing Kanchan actually, and I was like, yes, another woman of color. And then she said she specialized in working with women of color. So then we connected after, and I thought she was really cool. And she has this really amazing newsletter that she puts out, and I love all your content. And it's been a long time coming. I've wanted you to be on this podcast for a while, and I think we even tried, but uh, I'm glad you're here. Happy to be here. And then this is Dr. Madadi and Courtney. It's so wonderful to meet you. Hello. I think we actually spoke. Why did we speak? Because as soon as you came For an informational interview. Yeah. Oh. Like, I don't even remember the date. This whole year is like, whoa. Because I'm like, why do you look (laughs) so familiar? I, you know, and it's funny Uh because the first thing I do is second guess myself. It's like, oh, it's just me. Maybe I've, you know. That's right, too. Good. Yeah, because Courtney was interviewing executive coaches for her program as she was finishing out. And I was like, oh, I have someone for you to talk to. So you have all my good stuff, Courtney. You already know all my good stuff. I've shared it away here. Welcome to the What Rules podcast. We are here to help you outsmart the game in your career to advance as a multicultural woman. My name is Elisa Monjadas. I am an executive coach, and I'm also managing director of a B2B marketing agency called Stories Bureau. And I am here excited to be with my co-host, my guest, and let me start off by welcoming all of you. And let's start with Dr. Madadi. Hello, listeners. My name is Dr. Marari Simeon, and I'm an activator of talent, creating a world where multicultural women in positions of power are the norm. And I am so excited to be here with our amazing guest who's going to tell us all about how to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, what about you? Hello, everyone. Who am I? Well, I am a New Orleanian. I love to start with that because it's such a big part of who I am. 
I come from a melting pot city and it's a big part of my intersectional identity. And I've really carried that into my career. And what I primarily do is work with clients to help them advance in their careers. And now, Kanchen. First of all, this is exactly where I need to be. I elevate and celebrate all of you. Thank you. So my name is Kanchen Prinsloo. Where I was born was in India, in northern India, foothills of the Himalayans. And yet I came to Canada at the age of three. So since I'm in my 50s, um, I uh, <laughs> have been here for a while and uh, have definitely got Canadian uh, in my blood for sure. My role, my mission in this life is to elevate women of culture leaders today. Women of culture to me, go beyond sort of our color in that it is the cultural traditions, the cultural values, the cultural lens that I have lived my life with that has a direct impact on who I am and how I show up in the world. So that is my mission. That is where I spend my time as an executive coach, as a trainer, as a speaker. And the hats that I wear our CEO, yes, of Capri Consulting, of, of the company that I hold, as well as mother to two adult children. As of this summer, a mother-in-law? I mean, what the heck, right? Congratulations. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I love the name Women of Culture. I mean, I feel like that really yes. sets us apart. We we have so many discussions about what do we call people? Is it women of color? Is it multicultural? How do we distinguish it? And, you know, as you probably know, there are debates about all of it. And yeah. Women of Culture is maybe my favorite <laughs> now. So <laughs> I know. So I was glad. like, wow. I love that. I may have to change my introductory statement. <laughs> I love it. I love women of culture. Absolutely. This podcast is called What Rules? And we know from our personal experiences, from the women that we interview, that the systems aren't always set up in place for women of culture. And so we've heard that there are so many rules that women are breaking either within themselves or expectations that others have put on them. For you, what are some of the rules that you personally have broken mm -hmm. along the way in your career? One was shifting careers. This is my second career. For 26 years, I was in a lot of leadership positions in healthcare. For the last 10 years, uh, I have been an executive coach with a very narrow focus to elevating women of culture, as I said. Shifting that career is actually paramount considering, so I'm going to step back a second and talk about my own family, my lineage, the immigrants, the need for less risk. They already risked everything they possibly could coming to Canada with a lot of privilege, education, financial security, all of that, that to say they really wanted me to, you know what position you're in, right? You're leaving this. What, why, why would you leave? Like, there was a lot of questions. And even in the, my 40s, I was more scared of my parents than I was of anybody else because I had to share <laughs> that with them and, um, and really try and justify why this was. And the only thing that really resonated with them is that I was able to tell them it is because of me being able to step on their shoulders to be in a position of choice, 
So shifting careers was one of the biggest rule breakers that has changed the trajectory of my life 100%. How did your culture that you grew up with impact you in a positive or whichever way? How did your culture impact you in the change that you made? And was there a rule that you broke, a cultural rule or norm that you had to break? In my career and my personal life, I did two big breaks. One, I got divorced and we don't do that in our culture. And that was very hard, very, very hard to do. I get on very well with my ex-husband, which is uh, a grounding that was also cultural. You do not put ill on anyone else. So albeit we weren't married, this was important. So that was a big rule. That also helped me get to more of who I am. I was in a pretty senior position in healthcare. That's an honorable role to have. I may not have been a doctor, but I was in enough of a position that it felt well to my parents. Let's put it that way. And I was going into a my own business. So that rule breaking also had me do one more thing. Before I got into my really going into working with women of culture, I spent a few months in India. So I've been disconnected to India for over 20, 30, 40 years. And I knew I needed to go there. I needed to anchor in. I went to an ashram. I spent time just seeping in a culture that is part of me, but yet I needed to feel. So all of those rule-breaking things had me go, I am a woman of this time. What do I need to do today to meld and really be facing what's directly ahead of me? And these are the steps I needed to take and continue to bring my parents with me. I wasn't there to break away from the family or to push them away. It was how do I bring them with me? And they are. They're actually, (laughs) interestingly enough, very proud of what I've done, the risks they could not take. Uh, is what they told me just recently, which is really powerful to hear. It sounds like these rules that you broke are definitely what propel you to be where you are now and the success that you continue to have. You know, one of the things that we learned about you is that for years you try to fit in to the systemic structure of your workplace in a leadership position, as you mentioned, in healthcare. However, one of the things that we also learned is trying to fit in kept you from belonging. Mm-hmm. How did you realize this, knowing what you know now, and even just, as you mentioned, going back home and really understanding a little bit more about yourself? I was aware that I wasn't belonging. I was trying so hard to fit in. That took up most of my energy. And I could. I mean, I knew all the jokes. I knew all the cultural references. I could do everything that I needed to do. And part of it was was stepping out of the industries, stepping out to go, right, I was only able to go this far because I could never have those conversations. I tried, but didn't know how to, didn't feel confident to, didn't know the right lingo. I'm not going for drinks after work. I wasn't doing those things. So then I stopped for a moment and, and it was like, oh, so I needed to stop ignoring. That was one of the things. I stopped ignoring the obvious pieces. 
And then I stopped making excuses. I would be very quick to, I mean, part of my nature is to be very positive and give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And then I was like, oh, right. That's not being positive. That's making an excuse. So those are the two things. I'm curious, what are some of those obvious things that you recognized that some others might not be seeing? It's a great question, Courtney. So one of the big things is, is how my voice carried in the room. Are people picking up what I'm saying? So then I spend time on, I have to elevate my voice. I have to do like, I'm doing all the physical pieces to do it. And I'm like, oh, I'm still just not being heard. Or there is a bias that's being spoken about me. And it could be something as simple as just a flippant comment of, oh, well, you know, she's so nice. Kanchin will just, yeah, she, she's got this. It'll be fine. It'll be. And, and initially, like I said, naivety. I mean, I was 26 when I got into management. It, I was quite young and I would be like, oh, okay. And you, so there's a growth that goes with it. But I would say not being heard was one of the key things, Courtney. When you have a client who feels the way you did, what are some of the exercises or tools that you use to help them know how to share their voice? The first thing that I'll always do is I unpack the truth from fiction. So that requires us to get feedback from people. We want to do a bit of a check. And, and I say that being very mindful that I'm asking people to trust their intuition. Like, is this what you're feeling? So the fact that that's even been brought up, they've already trusted their intuition to tell me that. The second piece of it is, is to get the feedback. Sort of, you know, is it true? Is it, you know, is it really true? And then from there, making sure that they understand how to ask for feedback, how to ask for it very specifically, and how to give feedback. Because there is a lot of research that outlines people of culture get less feedback than our white counterparts. So if we're looking at advancing in our careers, if we're looking at stepping forward in our careers, it's hard to do that if we don't have all the goods. Then the last thing that I ask them to do, they need to act on it. Now, some of that action, there are very few women of culture that are in the executive positions that I coach that have a problem with their voice. That is not the issue. The issue is having the conversations with people having the conversations with your champions, having the conversations with the senior leaders to go, you know, I noticed that I've been doing this. What's another way that I can say it that we can be heard? Be so clear on where we're going with the, the conversations. Yeah, because now they're on the other side of it. And they're the ones that now it's almost like part of their role is to make sure that people are seen and heard, but they have to be understood first in order to even go there with their subordinates, employees, team. And you and I both know when we have that circumstance, you are educating up. You are trying to make sure that your path is clear as much as possible in terms of what do I need to do? And, and that's what I mean about feedback and giving feedback as well. Well, we're taking notes over here. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> so many. I know. I see Courtney and Mirati like, okay. <laughs> My brain's like, wow. Okay. You're giving me so much to think about. Courtney, what are you thinking about? 
Honestly, I think one, the feedback piece is just so huge because a lot of my conversations with Elisa and Dr. Marati outside of this is like, one, how do I develop my voice? But also like as women, how do we all develop our voices? And it's interesting that when I said like, what's obvious to you that maybe other people don't recognize, it really was just like connecting the dots between my outside conversations. And it's awesome that you brought it into this space too, because it's something that really does take a lot of attention from us. Like we need to be mindful. We need to honor that piece of us, right? Like, what am I saying? What impact does it have? But then also tying it to what you just said, like, hmm, what's the feedback here? I don't think that women of culture receive nearly enough feedback. It's something I focused on a lot in grad school when it comes to career advancement. My mind went to, okay, how would that feedback be received? And if it was also given and received, then how can we implement it? And what changes would we see? When you give feedback, how do women of culture typically receive it? They are hungry. They are so hungry for the feedback. I'll give you an example. I was with a, uh, uh, a woman of culture and when she got excited, her voice got really, really high and couldn't. And it was just fascinating to watch. And uh, and I met with her once and I met with her a second time. She's been in this organization for over 14 years. She's senior enough. And I said to her, I said, tell me about your voice. What's happening? She goes, yes, it goes high. And I said, have you been given that feedback before? And she goes, uh, no, no one has said it. She goes, but I know that because my son has told me. And I said, okay, you've been in this organization for 14 years. I see it goes high when this happens. Is that true? Yes, it's true. We met with her direct leader. And I said to her, she doesn't need me as an executive coach. She needs a voice coach. Have you noticed this? And I was very clear. And she said, oh, you know, I don't think I ever really noticed that. And I, my mind is just... (laughs) amazed because I'm so upset hearing it. This is an example of giving best intentions for whatever reason her senior leader didn't. She goes, yes, yes, my son told me, but I never thought it was, you know, anything that I need to be worried about at work. Nobody said anything. And I would say one of the gifts that executive coaching gives, not that I need to pitch executive coaching, but one of the (laughs) gifts is we give feedback. We will say, what I see is this, is this your intention? Part of what I do as well is I will go into executive boardrooms and and watch things at play so I can give feedback. But it's for that reason that you, one, have a trusted person that is giving you the feedback as well. Because not everybody is there for your best intentions. Be mindful of who you're getting the feedback from. And then second of all, um, there is a lot of ambitious women, women of culture, period, unapologetically. That is that. (laughs) When you were talking about it, what I was writing down is what is the way that I need to say it for them to hear it? Because it's not that I'm not saying it or that women of culture are not saying it. Even the example you just gave, maybe the woman, when she would say it, her voice would go up and they were not hearing it. So that's what got me thinking. You're not getting the feedback yet you're 
stating what you want, but it's not being heard. So to me, that was the biggest takeaway is how do I analyze myself so that I could really understand, am I being heard or not? How do we get people to hear us? The only way that I have seen that has been greatly impactful is how we ask for feedback. So I am asking for as specific feedback as possible. I do a presentation. I'm not going to turn around and say, so how was that? Yeah, great. So that's too general. It's a nonchalant. The specific feedback that I'm going to ask for is that I am hoping to land this one sentence. Do you believe they heard that? And if so, what did you see? That is very specific feedback. The same thing is if I'm asking for feedback from my boss, be very clear on what it is that I'm working on. So I am working on X. This is the two things I'm planning on doing. Do you see them? Like you're literally walking someone down the path to give you the answer. And the other thing that I have found, so I've worked with women leaders that have done this, it has taken their leaders two or three times for them to even hear the question of feedback. So you've got to keep asking for and asking for and asking for. That's what I have found in a very specific way. One of the core themes that we have learned from the women that we have interviewed, something that has been really important for women in general and women of culture, is the idea of changing course without hesitating, moving quickly into the next thing. When you see a problem or when you see an issue or when you see an opportunity, What we've seen from successful women is that when they see an opportunity, they go for it quickly and they move fast, but it's also a huge challenge for others. So I'm curious for you, if you've dealt with any of that with your clients in either their struggle to change course without hesitation or their successes in changing course without hesitation. So I would say in my experience, I have seen women of culture continue to assess the landscape in terms of their career. And if they continue to hit up against a wall, they will leave as quietly as they arrived. So organizations wake up five years later and wonder where the heck did everybody go? So what looks like a quick pivot is far from a quick pivot. It is a constant assessment of what's happening. and doubling down on work as well. Let's be clear. Um, There is also research that talks about, and this is not the technical term, but if I can be so bold, a lot of the shite jobs are done for people of color. That's who steps in and does the work because they have access opportunity. So they double down and they do it. And they see that as, as a moving forward which is true. But what does that mean? You're under-resourced, you're possibly doing something that no one even sees as possible, et cetera, et cetera. So when I think about career, I see people taking pivots or changing careers. It's well thought out. This is not a quick and go. It is built up. And there's a high pain tolerance. What I mean by that is they're in roles for longer than they need to be. They are continuously looking at 
what else can I do? What can I do better? What is this? What, you know, there's a continual piece of that. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I see both sides. Those are amazing observations. I think that it's interesting that you kind of talk about the long game and Midati and Courtney, feel free to jump in. But this idea of it looking like it's fast, but it's actually taking a lot longer. It sounds like what you're talking about is they're giving themselves the opportunity to be strategic in their next moves and not taking it lightly and really seeing the playing field. Is that is that what you're getting at? Yeah, absolutely. And what I love about women of culture is we're talking bright. Am I biased? Yes. But very bright from the point of view that they will not repeat the same with that they've had with their old organization or old bosses. And this is over all the years that I've been coaching executive women of culture, comparative to, and I coach all, this is my niche, but I've coached many white male executives and et cetera, et cetera. So what happens is, yes, it's thought out strategic enough to make sure that they don't repeat their patterns. They'll learn very quickly and we'll move on to the next. You know, our theme is kind of pivot without hesitation, but it sounds like once they pivot, it's because kind of like they had enough. Yeah. <laughs> they they gave their best. Like you said, these are bright women and now they had enough and it's time to pivot. And then Yeah, like there I'm never going back. And as soon as I see a sign of anything that I just left, I'm leaving again. That's kind of how I imagine it. <laughs> and so the pivots are quicker. The pivots are quicker. Because guess what? We learn. We're much more discerning. We're much more clear on what our value is. And we keep going and keep going. So yeah, there is definitely 100% about the pivot. Yes, in agreement, it's happening quicker because there's more clarity and there's more discernment. And the clearer you are, the quicker you can move. Mm -hmm. I love that for us. (laughs) What it sounds like, though, is that they went through a process. Because I love what Courtney's saying yeah. is, yep, there's more, there's more wisdom. We got it. We're pivoting. But I guess maybe my question is, what could have been done? And maybe that is mm-hmm. get an executive coach, but it could have been done to understand when it is truly time to pivot and it's not, I had enough, I'm moving on. Because it sounds like once we learn our lesson, we're smart enough to say that's not going to happen to me again. Right. But I would imagine it's still a painful process to pivot the first time, if that makes sense. Very much. In my experience, a lot of the people I coach, when they've made the pivot, it is a lot of angst. A lot of it comes down to questioning, is it the devil you know versus the devil you don't? Because we know there is systemic suppression, every corporate space that we're in, that is there. But the the underground railroad of human resources is really powerful when you have all these connections trying to find out all the sources of information about where you can go and where not to go. But yeah, there is hesitancy. Uh, there is fear. There is questioning uh, of all of that. I love bringing all that in because what I would hate for our listeners and people who are learning from us to hear is like, you have to know today and you have to know everything that you want. You have to know your values. You have to have all the pieces in place right now. And how can you not? And 
I think this is with all the women that I work with and myself personally, I'm the first to be like, I don't have everything ready. So there's two sides of it. One, you feel like you're not ready. And then the other is you feel like you're supposed to be ready and you should be. And then then it keeps you even more stuck. And I am going to promote executive coaches because you are here, Kanchan. <laughs> and <laughs> when you do have a coach, they're able to help you move so much faster than you can by yourself, but they're also there to slow you down so that the pace in which you pivot is normal <laughs> and it makes sense and it's wise and strategic. And this goes with our other theme is we can't and we shouldn't do this work alone. Your life is too important to try to figure it all out in a silo. Alisa, you said something a few weeks ago when we were talking about clarity and, oh, know what you want. And you said to me, because you you really walked with me through, like, the trenches when I was like, what am I doing? And you were like, you were really clear, but at the same time, like, you didn't have all the answers, but you knew enough to take a step. And that's, like, that slowing down piece, right? Like, you're slowing down, but coaches are asking really, really intentional questions and, like, getting to the root of it so that when you do pivot, after you go through this clarity process, it's like an explosion. It's like, boom, and I'm not going back and you're not going to do anything <laughs> that's going to make me go back because I know what I know. And it's like, okay, whoa, like where did this energy come from <laughs> in the best possible way? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the magic of coaching. And I mean, I already want to hire Kunshan for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need you now. And this in my new phase of life, I'm pretty sure I need you. But before we wrap up, Kunshan, is there anything, you know, you've talked a lot about the importance of communication, asking for feedback while being clear in the goals that you have for your communication and making sure you're heard, making sure you're understood, also taking the time that you need in your pivots. How would you kind of sum that up for us? As women of culture, we really need to honor our past, bring it forward, know that we are the women we are today in the world today for a reason. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.